0: Welcome to My Creative Corner Three, a podcast about my quilting journey and life in a northern town. Show notes can be found at mycreativecorner3.wordpress.com. Please leave a comment and we can continue the conversation online. My name is Vicki and I'll be your hostess. Happy February everyone. I am recording this on Groundhog's Day. Of course up here there will be six more weeks of winter regardless of what the old groundhog has to say in Pennsylvania. I wanted to encourage everyone to participate in the Daily Prompt Challenge it has started. Um, There are several of us participating on the My Creative Corner 3 Facebook group talking about things that are happening on the daily prompts. Um, on that group, I plan on giving a little bit of how-to on a couple of the different prompts because I've already had questions about what a couple of them mean. Or you can also put a picture up on Instagram using the hashtag DCP2017. Unfortunately, when I typed it up DCP was not what I originally planned. So this is also a hashtag that's used by somebody else. But I thought at this point it's too late to change it. And um, if there is another time where a prompt challenge is done, I will do a better job on the hashtags. So the first day was your favorite spot and people took pictures of that or pictures of favorite places. Um, today's challenge is three favorite fabrics and mine are up already and my three favorite fabrics come from Tula Pink's Eden line and of course trying to pick three fabrics is like trying to say which quilt is your favorite and it's usually the last bunch of fabrics I worked with or the last quilt that I made Um, overall we're in full force in winter up here in the north it's snowing and it's cold again after a beautiful january thaw where we were able to have a little break from all of that business and lose our snow but we're back into the business of snow blowing and salting the steps and trying not to fall and the good news is i don't have to travel too much but i have had a couple of days where i've had meetings and things and i have to drive 50 miles to the main office so far knock on wood i've not hit bad weather so the last quilt that I took off the frame was my own quilt. It was a big orphan block quilt, and I was rummaging through the drawers last year because I have a big um, tool bench in my sewing room, and the big drawers where I put test blocks that I've made for. Quiltmaker 100 Block Magazine, and other orphaned blocks. This is really a story of three quilts that led to the quilt that is off the frame. Um, About six years ago, when I started long arming, the Dear Jane quilts were going around the internet and my friend, my mom's friend, she did a Dear Jane. She had electric quilters. She used the paper piecing companion guide and those four and a half inch blocks were just dazzling to me and she did an absolutely beautiful job on this quilt. I decided that I really have always adored Dear Jane. I've been familiar with it for a long time as well as the um, nearly insane quilt that I saw back in the late 80s or early 90s in, um I believe it was a compilation book of the greatest quilts of all time that people made and I saw those and I'm like they're so tiny. And they really do possess a lot more skill than what my piecing skills are. When I started out quilting, I hated piecing. I didn't have a sewing machine that I enjoyed sewing on. And I really just did mostly hand quilting. And then I graduated to um, sewing machine piecing. My hand piecing is terrible. And at this point, um, when I decided to try this, I was really intrigued of making an old quilt with a modern method paper piecing that i had not learned how to do yet so i thought well There's a new book going around called the Civil War Diary Quilt. There's six and a half inch quilt blocks. I could learn how to paper piece doing this. And during the course of the long time it took me to make those blocks, it's probably 120 in the Civil War Diary Quilt, but I didn't like the straight setting on it. It was just a straight setting with a sash and that was the quilt. But my friend who made the Dear Jane bought too many of the Farmer's Wife books. She accidentally bought two of them. And in it, it had a companion CD, which we thought was a paper piecing companion. Because the Civil War Diary Quilt, you could buy a paper piecing companion, which I did. Well, I was very disappointed um, with the CD because it was just templates. And as I did more research, I believe the Civil War Diary Quilt was machine pieced, but that farmer's wife quilt was hand pieced with templates by the author. And so this was back in the day where yahoo groups were king and i even tried doing a couple of free paper piecing blocks were out there that people were converting and they just were disastrous i couldn't get the thing to go together so as i you know my quilters were doing multiple projects at once i thought you know why don't i take the civil war diary quilt that i had just finished all the blocks set them on point like the farmer's wife quilt was in the book and then I'll keep plugging away at those blocks because I just love the story of the farmer's wife and I there's just everything about the book that I wanted to finish it. So that's what I did. I finished the Civil War Diary quilt on point skinny brown borders in a bright solid setting triangles because uh, for a long time I've been doing quilts that are old meets new and I didn't do this quilt in reproduction fabrics but they had the feel of being old with a few old civil war repos thrown in there but then I modernized it with the blue and the solid brown and let me tell you that was the first quilt I tried doing on point it was the first quilt that I did paper piecing on and it is not was not flat it it was quilted with an overall feather and I was able to massage it in and you know it's a great quilt and I'm pretty proud of it but it's not. It was learning a learning curve on that. Let me tell you, it's not perfect. So then it was finished, and I was working on the Civil War Diary quilt was done, and the Farmer's Wife came along. So I thought, okay, that book. I'm gonna take these couple blocks that I've done, and I'm gonna I'm gonna ram and jam my way through this book. And I got halfway through, and I hated every block in. A bunch and I didn't plan it out real well with the previous quilt because I had a few leftover Civil War diary quilt blocks that just I didn't need as many as I made because I did every block in the book. So I thought, you know what, I'm just gonna throw these in the drawer. Then about a year ago on the on um Instagram, I saw a really cool setting for six inch blocks that were in the middle and I believe it was a Aurafil designer quilt. And they set it in big chunky borders. And that's what I did with these little blocks. I had enough to make a quilt that is um 70 by 70. And I quilted it a couple weeks ago. Each it's every other frame, a chubby frame is a different is it goes light and dark and light and dark so the dark frames have a specific circular stitch in it and the light frame has flowers in it to echo the flowers that are modern in the frame and then each block has a different long arm quilting stitch in it and i tried to practice stitching in the ditch around each block it turned out great it had um some moments of not being perfect in there and a little little uh ridiculous let's say that but it impressed me as i finished this quilt that there was something definitely wrong with my frame so that led to the next Part of the story is that the frame we cleaned it. My husband and I took it all apart, and we found that it had disintegrated on the plastic trails rails that the carriage floats across. So I ordered a set, and it took about a week, week and a half, for these plastic rails to come in. Cost more to ship them than the rails did, but Grace Company, bless their heart, still makes it. This frame is about seven or eight years old, and when I called, because my I didn't get a confirmation email yet. And I'm being a nervous Nelly because I don't do very well ordering online. Sometimes I make mistakes. The lady goes, oh, you have a Grace Pinnacle frame. Hmm. It will be supported for the next few years, but after that parts will not be available. And I panicked. I'm like, are you kidding me? Who thought that these frames became obsolete? Because it's lasted a long time and it's doing very well for me. So I think what I'm gonna do is like every quarter I'm gonna buy another set of these plastic rails, which I call them rails, and put them on the frame in the future because I'm paranoid that now these these uh, plastic rails lasted me a long time that I'm gonna have to buy a new frame when there's nothing wrong with this one and it serves me well because then you start getting into the whole investment of well do you need to get a new long arm then and I'm not planning on buying a new long arm anytime soon there's absolutely nothing wrong with this one and I know you can buy frames from the Grace company as well as others but this the Grace company is what I know and I know they've made frames for a lot of other long arms so that's my uh, funny story is that you know they're going to probably only support it for a couple more years and i'm going to get a few rails ahead and storm in the closet because they they're they're plastic they're not made out of rubber so i don't think that they will disintegrate before i need them not gonna buy too many just in case, but I want to have a few sets stashed away. So that was uh, my latest finish. Um, so because I had the flu in January and then the rails, I'm a little behind on customer quilting, but I have more and more coming every week. And I have a queen size one on the frame right now that is made by my 91 year old customer. It's a log cabin quilt and it's bordered with piano keys. And I. I tell you I don't know how she does it but her quilts are so flat those piano key borders do not waver once so uh, I'm having a good time I'm doing swirls and I call it swirls and pearls um, Krista Watson showed how to do this on one of her videos and it has swirls with a little bit of elongation with a little bit of pebbling every once in a while for added texture and to fill in some of the gaps works out very well I have gray thread that goes well with the overall blue and um, some of the other gray backgrounds in this quilt and then I have a a few more in a stack so overall that's coming along I still have a good dozen quilts of my own to do um, and I'm going to weave them in however I did a thread inventory and realized that I have to order some more so that's going to be a project for this weekend is ordering a couple of spools of thread at a time for the quilts I have coming up I do like these So Fine 50 weight thread for the long arm. It has a great tensile strength. So I can do a lot of starts and stops and turns and it doesn't break on me. And that is what my machine likes and that's what it's set for and I go with it. I tend to use um, the top and bottom thread are the same. I know a lot of long armors use bottom line from Superior Thread Company who also makes So Fine. And I just haven't gotten into that because it's another expense and overall I've found that my machine likes it when the thread is the same on the top same on the bottom and I generally use the same colors too definitely not contrastic or they'll poke through but then the other thing is a lot of people use pre-wound bobbins I bought some of those last year when I was having trouble sorting out why my bobbin winder didn't work very well and it was totally because I knocked the stand out of alignment and it's fixed now But that's another story. I'll tell you what, those pre-wounds, number one, don't hold much thread. They're expensive. And number two, they don't work in my machine very well at all. They break and they snap and they twist around. The back brake must not work on it and the bobbin casing. So I'm not a big fan of the pre-wounds at all. But I know other long armors swear by them. I take the time to wind as many as I think I'm going to need. Or if I have enough money, I'll buy two thread colors. So I have a cone on the machine and a cone on the thread winder. And it's interesting, you know, a thread is that basically I only use... Half a dozen colors because they all um, are seasonal. You know, as the lines come out, you know, there's a certain color white, there might be a certain color copper, there might be a certain color green, might be a certain color purple and gray. Those are the ones I generally use. Neutrals. I have a black spool that I haven't used um, because the dark Amish style quilts. I haven't got one of those in a long time, but I have a, a spool of it. I might try it out on something. Not had much success in um, really liking how a very dark thread shows up on a lighter color quilt. I've done a couple of them for demonstration purposes. When I show customers, um, I just don't like the look of it. And then most of them agree with me that they don't either. I believe it overwhelms the piecing. And that's really the star of the show in most cases when people bring me a quilt to finish. While the long arm was out of commission, I also decided to do a very small wall hanging. After auditioning several fabrics and a very busy background with unicorns and mushrooms on it, I decided my fairy garden quilt uh, needed to be simpler. And I did consult with Francis of Off-Kilter Quilt. And decided that it was just too busy and I removed a lot of elements and I decided that I wanted to work more in mini quilts or sketches as Gwen Marston called them in her um, last book. So I made a fairy garden it has a little mushroom house that I did put a link in the blog about it that was a paper piece block and the little tumbling mushrooms was loaded in my EQ6 but the rest of them were all improvisationally pieced mushrooms and tiny trees I did a uh, work in white in the background and then a couple different shades and I tried to attempt an appearance of shading going from left to right and also tried to do a forced perspective making the pieces at the bottom of the quilt larger and smaller as you go up There's a little bit of negative space in this little quilt. And I planned on um, quilting like little fairy garden paths and abstract ideas of maybe like star-like or winged like creatures that are flying to give a abstract um, impression of fairies in the fairy garden. So I finished that quilt. I also started rummaging through my orphan blocks because I have sorted a few out for gift quilts. And lo and behold, I found what was deemed by our quilt guild as a chopstick block. It is improvisationally pieced and I was going to make a queen-sized quilt. And remember, I promised myself this year I'm not making more queen-sized quilts. I don't need them hanging around in store- Storage bins because they're so big. There were plenty of these chopstick blocks, but it was an odd number in there. So Jane in our group had used solid pieced blocks of gray, which is the background in hers, to break up the chopsticks. Give it more. It gave it a lot more visual interest than having them all lined up together. And it gave me the exact number of blocks that I needed. I really like how it turned out. Now. Um, other people who made this block in our group for a quilt used all the same color gray in the background and I again decided to use a gray ombre and I had some really dark gray and I had some medium grays so I tried to line it up from left to right top to bottom going from the lightest blocks in the background of gray to the darkest and I think it turned out quite well. I used um, solid cover- colored fabrics in the crossed sticks and a few ombers. Now in this particular block when I made it I was being asked quite a bit at the time. It was a year maybe two. Um, Who knows my brain just can't remember all of the, uh, all those dates. I did put a tutorial in the tutorial tab on my blog to show how it was made. Um, This one got stopped because I got on a roll of making this and I have a bunch of tartan fabrics so I made a black background quilt with um Kilt fabric, and I was making a whole bunch of quilts to try to sell them. Well, I wound up not selling it. I wound up giving this to someone who had um, strong Scottish ties, and she wound up um, passing away from cancer. But her husband has the quilt, and um, it means a lot to him, and it meant a lot for me to give it to him. So, overall, that's why this production halted on this, because, you know, generally, I still dart quilts and then I follow them through to the end and what happens is I'll get a bin of orphan blocks because I'll have a couple testers or I'll have you know I'm testing the pattern I want to learn how to do it and maybe ugly fabrics or old fabrics that I'm don't have enough to do a whole quilt on. But this was one that I got interrupted in the project, which is very rare for me. And I'm like, why didn't I ever finish this? So I did. And it looks good. So it's in the stack to be quilted. You know, I guess that's why um I am not a person that likes to have UFOs. Orphan blocks from the testing patterns don't bother me. I have a whole bunch of those. And then it leaves like these blocks on hand that are orphaned that I can quickly put together a sampler for a charity quilt which I think most of these orphan blocks are going to be destined for charity quilts and maybe I'll get told that there's a wedding coming up for a friend or a graduation and I'll have appropriate blocks for that um but I don't like starting multiple projects and as I get rummaging through all of my stuff because it's January and I'm trying to organize and figure out what I'm doing in my sewing room, that leaves really only one UFO and that was a block of the month that I want to have finished by the end of February. I did all of my blocks except for the last one which is a Mariner's Compass. It was a block of the month for a quilt shop that's now out of business and is absolutely fabulous in batiks that are in blacks browns tans. And the unfortunate thing was, is they hand cut all the fabric and the girl helping the quilt shop owner didn't always cut enough fabric to go in the kits and the mariner's compass i can't get it to go together because the pieces are not cut right so through a long you know several year process i have found some batiks that will work with the kit because i thought you know i don't want to just buy batiks because then it will not it'll stand out like a sore thumb it won't go and i thought well we can try with the batiks i have to make this mariner's compass black and hopefully it'll work and if it doesn't, I'm going I have enough of the background fabric. I'm gonna leave it as a blank block and I'm going to long arm some version of a star in it with like the date. I don't really wanna do that. I'd like to have a pieced block in it. It has a fabulous, unique border. Um, sashing and border that I think is fabulous, and I don't know why everybody doesn't do it because it gives an illusion of um the blocks having eight sides and linking together. But that's another UFO. Um, it's bothered me all these years that I can't get it finished because of the problem that I had with the, the pattern, or the, not the pattern, because pattern's beautiful. It's the when you buy kits. So that's another thing I don't tend to buy kits like that because there's mistakes in them so often and it was really expensive for this block of the month program. I've probably got two or three hundred dollars tied up in this kit these kits and um, they didn't all go together well and I had to use a scant seam allowance and I don't know that they're going to hold well and anyway it was a lot of blood sweat and tears into these and i'm hoping that it will hold together if it does hold together and i can actually quilt the thing and make it look good maybe i'll put it in a show who knows um the other part of this is that my mom has the same quilt and i pieced all of those for her because paper piecing turned out to be something that she doesn't enjoy and i kind of in between projects you know worked on them and then we can finish them together get them long-armed together and put these quilts out because they're so beautiful but kits yeah what are your feelings on buying kits that are pre-cut like that that's where um I have had problems with two kits that I've bought. It just didn't have enough fabric. And if I were to make a kit for people, I would put extra fabric. If it said, you know, that you needed so much, I would put in a little extra because um, even when I perfectly cut everything out exactly the way it said, the kit came up short. So when I buy kits, a lot of times now I buy them because maybe they're on a 50% off clearance and I buy it because the fabrics are in big. pieces I generally don't do kits that are all pre-cut and all you got to do is sit and sew them that's kind of boring I like cutting it out too however if I were going to you know I'm dreaming here if I were going to do some sort of beginners class I I would probably do like what they used to call the buck a block program which would probably be now five bucks a block and have people come in and then do a demonstration on how to sew it and have the kits pretty much all together so people can learn how to sew there's a couple ideas I have someday someday when I don't have a day job which has been not too bad for January but busy with uh, life in general I think and what's challenging up here is that even though I'm not going too many places in the winter there's lots of stuff to do and trying to work on getting the house all cleaned up and organized because once summer hits, we're usually doing a lot more travel and outside and doing a lot more things, and I don't spend as many hours in the house trying to keep it organized. This summer I've got a really big project of removing a um, overgrown um, Adams family looking garden that borders my house from porch to porch. So that's going to take a lot of my time up in the spring and I'm like here it is January and I'm already thinking about all the work I want to do in my garden. I get a bug in the spring and I get the gardening done and then that's it. I don't do a whole lot. I have them, the beds set up so I just do weeding once in a while. They're perennials. I might throw in a few annuals here and there, but my, I I have this big romantic idea of having a massive English garden that's just beautiful and all of these fussy plants, but the reality is I don't like doing that kind of work. I like having a perennial bed and I'm keeping it simple. So what have you been working on? I'd love to hear about it. How do you feel about UFOs? How do you feel about finding orphan blocks and all kinds of them? Do you have them? And what do you do with them? And how do you set them? I just set a couple blocks on point, And that really was inspiring to me to, to know that I could do it. And it led me to a bias I had that I needed to rethink. I really hate pinning. I poke my fingers, I bleed on the white quilts, it's just a problem. So I've been using Wonder Clips or generally nothing. However, I found when I was doing my on-point settings, I did two quilts in January that were on-point. One was the Yellow Charity Open Rose quilt that I talked about, and then my Emerald's Birthday Quilt and it needed to be pinned, or they were not going to line up. So I found the value in them, and I generally only pin quilts to my long arm leader cloths. So I've been using pins a little bit more and I'm finding that between that and this um, Janome Janome sewing machine I'm able to tackle things that with more precision and have a little more crisp and polished look. I also have a walking foot that I borrowed from my friend and that is going to be my project is trying to perfect binding It just, I really want to get a good binding with sharp corners. I've been reading lots of tutorials and I've watched tons of videos. And I have to say, if you want to see a real quick way of how to do machine binding with tips, see Pamming it on the Stitch TV show because she has some great little videos online that are short and sweet for my really short attention span and give the point of how to achieve those corners and to machine bind the whole thing if you want. I still wind up doing the machining them to the front and then flipping it around and hand stitching it to the back because that's just what I like, the hand stitching part though. Anyway, the value of pins, I finally, finally saw the light on how um, pins can really make your quilts turn out to look a lot better. So the burning question you may have is, did I ever decide to make a Dear Jane quilt? Because I could have borrowed my friend's companion CD. No, four and a half inch blocks and the triangle borders on that really, really don't sound like something I'd want to do right now. I do find six inch blocks very, very fun to work with. And that's why I went on and did the Tula Pink 100 City Block Sampler. And is the nearly insane quilt, something I might do. That's more uh, doable. It's, I think they're five inch blocks in that particular quilt. I have bought the book and I dig it out from time to time, dust it off, and I haven't lost it yet. So that's a possibility. I might even paper piece it. We'll see if I want to redraft it. With the Tula Pink's um, traditional piecing in those tiny blocks, I think I have the confidence to do it now without paper piecing it. I want to thank everyone for listening to today's podcast and really think about all the creative things that you could do every day. And if you need a little jump start every day, consider doing the daily creative prompt, hashtag DCP2017 on Instagram or the My Creative Corner 3 Facebook group. Have a great day.